Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much. Thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your light, for understanding, for revelation. Thank you so much, O Lord my God. Father, I pray, open our eyes to see the things that we are yet to see. And dear Lord Jesus, remind us of things we've learned in the past and we've forgotten. But Lord, let no one leave this place the way he or she had come. Let there be impartation. Let there be revelation. Lord, Lord, let there be a fresh encounter and fresh fire. In your presence, Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, once again, you're welcome. Go with us. Travel with us on this journey. Oh, Lord, my God, take us in your hands and guide us and lead us into that wealthy place, into that place of fulfillment, to that place of promise that you have ordained for us. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the adoration. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. I want to say that Evans and May, please let us see after the service. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. This morning, we'll be looking at the accurate pattern for building the house of God. Accurate pattern for building the house of God. I've been having times to look at scriptures, meditate in scriptures, and look at the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. How did he pastor the church? The pastor when he was here. What did he do? How did he build? And how does he want us to build? I sense that the Lord is taking us to the next level. Very soon, we'll change location. And in that place where he's taking us, there's a huge harvest there waiting for us. How do we prepare for that? Preparation always what? Precede experience in the things of God. Even in most things, if you don't prepare, how do you want to experience? Accurate pattern for building the house of God. How does God want us to build? How did Israel build? Why did Israel miss it? You know, when Israel left Egypt, the Bible says they left with a lot of... Let's go to Exodus chapter 12. And I'll read for you 
how Israel left Egypt. They were going to go into their promising God. Israel left Egypt with a lot of pomp and pageantry. It was almost the time, oh, the promise they were expecting had finally come. Bondage had been broken. They are now free. Because Egypt is a type of the world. Just like when we give our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, or when you now give your heart, you say, oh, thank God, now I'm born again. I believe that the life in Christ, now I'm getting out of all the crises and whatever has held me back before now. So Egypt, Egypt, I mean, Israel led with the, let's go to 35. From verse number 35. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. So they didn't just live empty-handed. Verse 36, And the Lord had given the people what? Favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. 37, Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides children. 38, and a mixed multitude went up with them also, and flocks and herds and a great deal of livestock. How many people left Egypt? 600,000 what? 600,000 men. Besides what? Women and... If you add the women and the children, how many people left? If you add the women and the children, how many left? Uh, like what? Let's say about two million left. My question is this, how many entered into promised land? How many people left Egypt? The Bible says they left, they were singing and they were dancing. Especially after crossing the Red Sea. They sang. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has what? Triumph gloriously, the horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. Almost like our praise and worship. Oh, everybody shake your body, oh, shake your body, oh, shake, oh, shake, 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 shake. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh yeah, one, one, one time. One, one, one time. Oh, how do you sing it now? Wonder, 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 wonder. Give me one. One time. Give me one. Two times. They laugh with a lot of dancing. Oh, praise God. But how many people eventually entered into the promise? How many? Three. Somebody said two. Somebody said three. Who are the, who are the two? Who are the three? Caleb and Joshua, who are the three? Yeah, Joseph also. Two people entered alive, but one person said, don't leave my bones in Egypt. And they took the bones of Joseph. My bones will not be in Egypt. They took the bones of Joseph into the promised land. So we can say two of them, two alive, one person's bones entered into, amongst how many? 
Two million. What happened to the one million nine hundred and whatever? What happened to them? Do you know? What happened to them? Let me read to you from the Amplified Version. The Israelites did according to the word of Moses. And they urgently asked of the Egyptians, the jewels of silver and of gold and clothing. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So that they gave them what they asked. And they stripped the Egyptians of those things. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth. About 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children, and a mixed multitude, part of their problem, the mixed multitude, went also with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. Let me read it to you from, I think I should read it to you from the Message Bible. The Message Bible. The Message Bible, Exodus 12. From verse number 35, Exodus 12. I'll read from verse 37. Then Israel, the Israelites moved on from Ramses to Sukkoth. About 600,000 on foot beside their dependents. There was also a crowd of refrag tagging along, not to mention the large stocks and the heads of what? The herds of livestock, the large flocks and the heads of livestock. A crowd of refrags also what? They tagged along. They were not children of Israel, but they joined with them. And they became their problems. Be careful who are your close friends. Be careful the people that you interact with. Be careful the people that you listen to. Who don't believe the things you believe? Who don't share the convictions you have? Who are headed in a different direction? And you are interacting with them? And you're saying, okay, this is what they're saying. Maybe I should also do this. Be very, very careful. The leaf rags who followed them eventually caused the problem that they had. The Bible says they got to a place and they kept looking back to Egypt. God wanted them to go forward. They kept looking back. They kept looking back. You know, what is, somebody said, but uh, that may not be applicable. You know, Egypt is a type of the world. Canaan is, like, is a type of, the, of coming into a promise in God. As Christians, we don't have a physical Canaan to enter into. But we have a spiritual promise in God. Because you are not an accident of creation. You are not made by accident. When he made you, he had a purpose for you. He had a plan for you. He had a will for you. And he is intention from the very beginning of your creation. That you enter into that promise. But it doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't happen by accident. It is by deliberate design. They led with songs. They led, they were singing. But how many of them entered into promise? Two out of, of almost two million. What happened to the others? The Bible says, what? They perish. That's what the Bible uses. They perish.
perished in the wilderness because of the cravings, because of the things that those who mixed up with them started craving for. But do you know what? You know the moment they entered, but somebody said, but why did God? God did not leave them without the design. When they left, he gave, he said, almost after they left Egypt, he started talking to Moses and said, this is how to build the tabernacle. He gave them the pattern for the tabernacle. He gave them the pattern for the house of God because they, why did they leave Egypt? To go and worship. Why? Because God, he said, you shall worship the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your waters. Because worship is so important to God who were created to worship. Why did he create man? To worship. To worship. Because you know what, you know what worship does? Worship attracts presence. And presence brings power. And power repels the enemy. The moment man departed from the place of worship, man has been exposed to all manners of things. And let me say this to you. Don't, because it is natural, especially, I can liken this to their testimonies. You know that, don't ever forget this. Whatever gave you that testimony, you need the same thing to maintain it. Because many times after getting the testimony, look at what God has done. Thank God for testimonies. Thank God for the many testimonies. Human beings have a time of just what? And what? Oh. It's not as hard. At least God has done it for us. You just slide back. Whatever gave you the testimony, you need to continue on the same thing to keep it. Because the ground you are not taking, you are losing. The ground you are not taking, you are what? You are losing. I gave them the pattern. So this is how. Because the ultimate thing for them was worship. Because the moment they are in worship, they will be kept. They will be preserved. They will be proper, prospered, and they will be blessed. Exodus 25. From verse number one. I'm a stickler for scriptures. I think in scriptures and I live within scriptures. I don't think in the natural. I think based on scriptures. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel. That they bring me what? Bring me what? Who God have built the tabernacle without an offering, the offering. Why did they say bring me an offering? So that they could be co-laborers with him. So that there will be an opportunity, an opportunity to connect with his blessing. So that they could become partakers. It's always the plan of God. You know, with us, without us, God has chosen not to. Without him, you cannot even do it. He has chosen to work with us to make us his co-liberals. So bring me an offering from everyone who gives it what? That's why the offering we receive is willing. Hello? Willingly, with his heart, you shall make my offering. Well, and this is the offering we shall take from them. What? Gold and what again? And what again? Bronze for what? Blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine goat's hair. Continue 
ram skins, dried eye, badger skins, and artificial wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, for the sweet incense, or only stones and stones to be set in the effort in the breastplate, and let them make me what? What is the purpose of this offering? To make a sanctuary that I may walk. <laughs> to build a tabernacle that I may dwell amongst them. Can Satan be where God is building? Say, so let me dwell amongst them. What is the implication? So that the enemy will not be able to dwell amongst them. And look at verse number 9. And according to all that I show you, how do you build it? According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of a tabernacle. The pattern of all is furnishing, just so it shall make it. What is the title of what we're looking at? Building wall. And the accurate pattern for building wall? The house of God. Verse number 40. Let's go to 40. And you can go from number 10, verse 10, continue because of time. You can see how he gave them. This is the way to put the furnishing. This is the way to arrange the chairs. This is the way to arrange the curtains. This is the way to arrange everything. Everything must be in order because the God we serve is a God of order. Hello. He's a God of order. Your life must be in order. Your homes must be in order. Praise God. How is your home? How do you keep it? When you get home, where do you put the shoes? Where do you put the things? Do you go home? Just what? Just a neck bar. Is that what you do? Can we come into your place unannounced? Who is at the door? It's Pastor. Who? Clack, 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 Somebody said, but I tried. Is this man that I don't know why he does like that? Do you know that God gave the two of you to compliment one another? Amen? So that means as he's pushing the chair and throwing about, you should just be following at me what? And be packing and be arranging. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Cleanliness is next to godliness. God is a God of order. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Where do you put the shoe? Where do you put the dress? Where do you put the shoe? You just throw everything around. Amen. God is a God. The God you serve is a God of order. Amen. Sometimes if he was going to come into your home, how will you see it? And you come like, ah, let's, let's move back. Verse 40. Look at what he said to Moses. See to it that you make it according to the pattern which was shown you on what? On the mountain. Why was that? Why the emphasis on building according to pattern? Why? Why was he emphasizing that? Why was he telling them to do it? Why? Because he was giving them a road map that would lead to the place of fulfillment in their lives. Why was he insisting on building according to pattern? Can I tell you something? Getting born again is not, is not the ultimate in God. Hello. There's so many people. Oh yes, we're now born again. 
We are now Christians. And we thank God that you are born again. We thank God that you are going to heaven. We thank God for that. But how about coming into the fullness of God's plan and will for your life? It is like starting a race. Hello, you are at the bottom on your march. Set what? Go. The beginning of a race is not what partaking in the beginning does not mean you will end it. When you enroll in school, many little children have enrolled in school. Does it mean that you receive the certificate? Why was it given them? Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, 623. Deuteronomy 623. Chapter 6, verse 23. 623. Are you there? Then he brought us out from where? From there. There meaning what? Egypt. That he might bring us what? In. In meaning what? Into Canaan. Into their promising God. In the same way he brought you out of the world. So that he might bring you into the fullness of God's plan for your life. And in going through that, you go through a lot of tests. And that is why... That's the purpose of the apostolic training school. That's the purpose of the church in the house. That's why the tests are done. They have to prepare us for the test of life so that you can enter into that wealthy place, into that place of fulfillment, that place that he has ordained for you. If you are well prepared, when the test of life comes, you will pass it. He brought us out that he might bring us word in. For the believer, is not a particular place. It's not a land, it's not Canaan. So don't pack your bag and say, I'm going to Israel tomorrow. It's not going to Israel. It's not the land of Canaan again. But it is that place, that promise that he has for you. And do you know what? For you, he specially made just unique for you. Brought us out that he might bring us in. Building according to pattern. It's important for us that the church must be built according to all. Not just the church. Your family must be built according to all. Our children must be built according to what? According to pattern. You must build your lives according to pattern. You must build your family according to pattern. Your children must be trained according to pattern. You can't just afford for them to do anything. And to leave anything. And they say, oh, look at the fashion. Look at what everybody is doing. Because everybody is doing does not, make, does not mean those, those things are right. It's going to be like, especially if you want to fulfill your purpose. If you want to go to, get to promised land. If you don't want to be part of the perversity of this generation. And there are a lot of perversion going on in this generation. There are things happening there that they were not... You can't even think of them. Can anybody dare to announce 20 years ago and come out and say, you know, uh, and hold hands and say, this, my, my, my uh, uh, what? Uh-huh. Can anybody dare to do that? You, you, you rush behind the door and you're doing like this. But now, because of the perversion, you're not doing like this. My friend was on the papers here during the week and he was being accused by somebody, a member of the church. Who had gone, he said, they tried to convert me to Christianity. They didn't want me to, they, and they 
put it there on the papers, holding my gay partner. How do we ensure that your children don't plug into that perversion by building according to pattern? Because it's there. It's all over. Do you follow them everywhere? When they go to school, do you go with them? When they, when they go to uni, do you go with them? Are you there with them all the time? But when you build according to pattern, you know what? It will, it, <laughs> that is why it will ensure that he will preserve your generation. Ensure that you preserve your generation. Build according to pattern. According to pattern. According to pattern. Let me be very, very frank with you. You know, when you are young, so because we have a lot of energy, because part of what we use is energy. You can run here, you can run there, you can run here. But at this stage, the moment you are getting older and older, when the energy is reducing, you know the things, you now start to discover where priorities are. You discover the priorities are not in the world, in the buildings, in the houses, in the money, in the cars you have acquired. The priorities in the life that you have imparted. What will give you the greatest joy will not be the, that big house you have built, but the children you have trained. May your children give you peace. That is why you must invest in them, especially when they are young. When they are young, when they are old, when they are 13, when they are 14, when they are 15, is already a challenging case, except God intervenes. But when they are small, build them, invest in them. Don't allow television to train them. I'm so busy. You are gone all day, and then you return. Nobody is with them. They are the only ones at home. Make adjustments. Adjustments. My wife had postgraduate degree. We practically did not have much, but we agreed. We said we're going to stay together in this in this ministry, so that when these children are being raised, no, nobody will be there with them. Nobody will be there with them. We could have what? Oh yeah, she had all the opportunities. She had it, but I said no. I'm talk, I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking about the future. Uh, when these children are grown, these guys that God has given to us, that, oh, they will give us peace. They will give us peace. We will look at them when they are in their 20s, when they are in their 30s, and we'll look at them and we'll be blessing God, and others will join us to bless God with them. If we need to sacrifice this money, let's sacrifice the money we can't afford. And I thank God. I thank God for where they are now. I thank God for the way they are now. Thank God for the way we did not allow television to work. You gone. They are there. You don't do you know what they are watching? Do you know what they are watching? You know what they are watching. But when you stay with them, when they're young, when you establish the values of the whole before them, when they know that these are the values of the whole. There's some things that are done, there's some things that are not done in this home. And they're built on God. And let me make this very, very clear. And because you say, yes, I'm not talking about you trying to raise them because nobody can raise children. 
But you learning what as God said, because sometimes I want to be there for my children. I want to be there for them. I want to do this for them. You are trying to do it in your own strength. Children are the heritage of the Lord. Then the fruit of the womb is her reward. Because when you are not there, but when you put the values there, it's the values that you put into them that will be guiding them when you are not there with them. So that in your 70s, in your 80s, or in your late 60s, you look at them and they are worshipping the God of their fathers. And they are worshipping the God of their mothers. And they are not coming, they are not, they are not coming to you. see, I'm also here with my partner. This is uh, my partner. He said, I said, uh, Simon, what is that? Yes, uh, uh, Gary is my partner now. Gary is my partner now. You'll be wondering what happened when you were not at home. What happened when you were pursuing all other things? What happened? When did this happen? How did they get, get into this? When did they plug into this? When you are not watching. When you are not watching. And you find out that they've departed from the God of their fathers. And they're doing their own thing. And it's difficult. Because at 24, 25, 26, they're already taller than you. So how do you correct them? Hello, how do you correct them? What do you say to them? Well, they're already 18. In a place like this, they're already 18. What do you say to them at that point? Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. First Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3. Invest in them. Stay with them. Train them. Don't be too busy for them. Chapter 3 from verse number 9. What does it say? For we are what? God's word. Remember, it said bring an offering so that I may build. That was the pattern in the old. In the old was a physical tabernacle. In the new, you are the tabernacle that is building. For we are God's word, fellow workers. You are God's what? You are God's, you are God's building. You are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. In the New Testament, and we are New Testament believers, the building is not the church. Do we need the building? Absolutely. Because we still need a house over our heads. But the building is not the church. We are making effort. Very soon we are moving into our own building by the grace of God. But we are not losing focus. That the building, the primary building we are building in this place, you are what? You are the building. Not, the phys- not just the physical building. But we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Verse number 10. According to the grace which was given to me, I say what? Wise master builder. I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. 
But let each one take heed how he builds. Paul said, I'm a wise master builder. And what? He said, I've laid the foundation. Where's the foundation? The first few years of your lives. Whoa, from zero to one to two to three to four. Don't just leave them to do anything. As a, oh, it's a little child. And just, no, no, no. Don't just leave them to do anything. That is the time to correct them. That's the time to train them. That is the time to say, don't do it this way. Don't eat that way. And that is the time to smack them. Ah! Pastor, don't say that. Daniel Andrew said we should not smack anybody. If you say that, Daniel Andrew can come and arrest you. You know, he will not remain premier forever. After he's gone, You'll be left with what? And then you now say, but Daniel Andrew is the one that said I should not be smart. Who is Daniel Andrew? I remember I heard of this. One pastor was preaching the way I'm preaching. Oh, on fire like this. I said, You must train your children. You must smack them. And one person wrote. He said, Be very careful. Be very careful. Because the government, if they hear what you're saying, they can come and arrest you and deal with you. And then he returned the following and said, I'm sorry, don't smack them. Don't, don't touch them. Don't touch them. When the government is gone, when the premier is gone, when the prime minister is gone, will they be there forever? They will remain with you forever. I think in scriptures, I live by scriptures. Don't think about uh, live by scripture because I know heaven and earth will pass away, but not this world. At the end of the day, when the robber hits the road, is the word of God that will remain. God will remain. Let me show you. Genesis, I mean, Proverbs twenty-two, verse number six. Let's go there. Train up a child. Train up a child. In the way you should go. When he's old, he will know what? Train up. Train up a child. Connect that child to God's destiny. Proverbs 13. Let's go to Proverbs 13. The Bible says that, you know, Proverbs chapter. Let's go to verse. Let's go continue, please. Towards the end of it. He will spare, 24. He will spare his rod, what? I thought he said he will spare the road, spoils the child. That is not scripture, that is English idiom. He will spoils, he will spears his rod, hates. Do you hate your son? Do you hate your daughter? You have to say he will spears the rod, hates his son. There's a period in their growth that you must ask them to bring, bring their bomb and what? Put some smacking on them. And I hope, yes, I trust you. Put some smack in there. Amen. And they can run to me and I'll say, yes, I'll part them. I'll part them. He will spears his rod, hate his son, but he loves him, disciplines him promptly. Discipline him promptly. Promptly. The Bible says the rock of, rod of correction. It's not just smacking it, it's applying the rod of correction. It's training them, you are building them, you are building those lines. Just the way you also need to build your own life through. First Corinthians 3. Let's go back there. Verse number 10. He said, as a wise master builder. Wise master builder. 
a wise master builder. That's why I'm, I'm taking time. That's why I'm teaching you. That's why I'm training you. I'm being a wise. I'm a builder. I'm a builder. I'm a builder. Let me tell you something. I'm not, look at it. Look, look at it. You know, many times, many places, in many churches, it's about gathering people. You want to gather as many. You want them to come. Let all, oh, yes, so that you can say, you know, how many do we have in a church? Oh, we are about how many, how many now? Oh, hallelujah. God is doing some great things. We are now 500. How many are you now? We are now 10,000. Oh, and especially if you are a pastor that is world. Those things will intimidate you if you are one. They intimidate you because we ask, how many? Maybe you are just 200. Someone said 5,000. I don't have anything against numbers, but you know, I have everything against 5,000 that are not being trained. They are not being trained because it's the untrained child that will do what? I've not been trained. Is that what Jesus did? How many were in the church that he pastored? How many? What? He chose 12. He added another 70. Many, how many? Why? He had invested. Remember, the one in whom all the, the fullness of Godhead dwell invested three and a half years in 12, maximum of 82. That is why 2,000 years after, we are still hearing the word today. We are still hearing it. He said, a wise master and another builds on But let each one take it how he builds on it. How do you build? By making you start to do what? Do a complete reorientation. Start to think based on scriptures. Think based on scriptures. Let there be continuous transformation. I know all of us didn't start where we are now. We started from somewhere. But there must be continuous. Continuous transformation, continuous transformation, a change in our thinking. Because if your thinking is not changed, you cannot enter into promise. If you still think the way they think in our village, if you still think the way, if you still think, no, you must be thinking according to the word of God. If nobody is doing it, you'll be doing it. you become an example. According to the great word was given to me as a wise man, verse 11, what does it say? Quickly. For no other foundation can anyone lay than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse number 13. And each one's work will become clear for the day we walk. We declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will what again? <laughs> fire will what again? We'll test it. You know, God will always allow fire in your future because there's future in that fire for you. The moment there's fire in that future, know that God allowed it because there's future in the fire for me. If there's no future, he wouldn't allow it. So if the fire is testing you, know that there's a future there. It's not a time to run. It's a time to stand and say, Lord, what do you want to trade? What do you want me to see in this? And when you stand, the fourth person will join you in that fire. is called the Son of God. Verse number 16. Let's go quickly to 16. And I'll come. 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God, what? So, which temple are we building in the new? <laughs> which temple are we building in the new? You are the temple that God is building in the new. 
You are the temple that God is building in the new. If you're investing everything in the building and you're not investing in the people, you're missing it big time. The people must be trained. Our children must be trained. So you are the temple of the living God because the Spirit of God dwells where? In you. How many did Jesus train? I'll, I'll round up there. Because so I want to pray for these children. And I'll go into come. You know, let's go to Matthew chapter 8, chapter 10, from verse number 1. How many? That is why by the time we go continue to add to us and add to us, we're building a people of war. I can hear you. People of war, a people of power. We're building a people of war, a people of praise. Who will march through the land by his spirit. People of power. People of praise. And, when, and the enemy will know that don't touch any one of them. Because when these people hear and they, they, they come together to face you, you are in big trouble. It's better to leave them alone. Don't touch them! And when he had called the twelve disciples, what did he do to them? He, he trained them. He equipped them. And then to cast, off, to cast what? Unclean spirits. To cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. Now the names of 12 what? Now let's go to verse 1. What's the difference between verse 1 and verse 2? What? Now he called the... What were they in verse 1? What were they in verse 2? What happened? Could Jesus have gathered... 20,000 disciples, he had the power to do it. Why did he choose 12? Because he wanted to train them properly. So that after he's left the scene, it will continue. Gather them and train them. Let, let me read it to you from the TPT. If you have the TPT, you can open to it. Train your children. Train yourself in the family. Train them. And that is why we are committed to training in this place. And Jesus said, I will build my church. Are you listening to me? And I know he will build his church. My heart is not let's gather as many people as possible. My heart is in building and training. Because I know that when the people are properly trained, God himself will do what? Let me read it to you from TPT. If you have TPT, you can open to it and read. And you see what I'm saying there? Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Are you in TPT? Yes. Can you read, please? References. Can you see that? He imparted to them what? Authority. He imparted to them authority. Twelve disciples. And then in Luke chapter 10, he gathered another, I mean, apart from the twelve, seventy. Why did he do that? You will see, that is where I will stop. Acts 8 from verse number 1. You will see that. Acts 8 verse number 1. Acts 8, verse number 1. 
Now Saul was consenting to his death. That is the death of Stephen. And at that time, a great persecution arose against war. Against what is happening in Victoria today. This law has been passed. This laws, uh, what is the last one? Lord, they just passed. Uh, what do they call it? Conversion therapy. It's conversion therapy. They're passing it. They're passing it. Every law that is against faith, that is against the values that we hold there, they're passing it. He said, now a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And what happened to everybody? By this time, how many were there in the church? How, how many were they? I don't have time, I can tell you. After the appointment of the Holy Spirit, they became 3,000. Then the next one, they became what? 8,000. So there are at least 8,000 at this time. But can you imagine when you are 8,000? Hallelujah. Wow. Oh. And I just called. I said, oh, I remember. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of us know a man called Benson Idahusa? <laughs> when he was, there's a particular pastor friend who attended his burial. He was a mighty man, mightily used. And he came back, he said, oh, come and see how many men of God were there. You know, and I said, oh, come and see people. And I said, oh, come and see people with capacity and everything like that. And I said, hey, really? Oh, wow. They came with capacity. He said, yes, come and see their capacity. Come and see their shoe. Come and see. I said, is the shoe the capacity? Hello? Is the shoe the capacity? Is the dress the capacity? <laughs> would, would sit and see shoe and run? Eh? And say, hey, see the shoe. <laughs> no. But look at when persecution arose. What happened to them? What happened to the 8,000? What happened to the 10,000? They were all scattered. Then what happened? We'll continue. No, 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 no. Don't verse one. Except what? Except the people that were trained. The people that were trained stayed. The people that were trained, they have developed capacity and strength to withstand the persecution. They stayed. They had the strength to carry command in the spirit and take the gospel down. I am praying to God with all my strength that even when I've departed planet Earth, 10 years after, 20 years after, 30 years after, if Jesus has not returned, many will be listening to these messages to receive strength, to receive unction, to receive it. That is the way I think. I'm not just thinking about now. I'm thinking about 10 years down the road. I'm thinking about 15 years down the road. I'm thinking about 20 years down the road. I'm thinking about even years after I have gone. Because I'm not into what is called immediate war. Because many times we, we are interested in what is called immediate gratification. You want the results now. It doesn't bother me. I'm holding on to the world because I know the God I serve does not fail. And I'm telling you in the fullness when he starts to give it, but I'm beyond my life. That's the way I'm building. That's what we're building. Sometimes it looks as if it's very challenging. We were building the structure that will stand the test of time. He is Lord. He is Lord. Can we rise up on our feet? He has risen from the dead. And he is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every thought confess. 
that Jesus Christ is.